Welcome to episode 64 of Contested Catch. It is time for our week 10 preview. I am, of course, joined once again by our good friend, our data specialist. That's, of course, Jeff Gould. Jeff, you are shirted today. The Masters are on. How are you doing? Oh, great. Yeah. Masters weekend. Great new episode of Mandalorian this morning. Uh, Fantastic NFL slate this Sunday. I mean, what more could you ask for? Jeff, who is the most apt comparison to Baby Yoda that is a fantasy football relevant player? Uh, no, no season two spoilers, by the way. But the best fantasy football comparison to Baby Yoda. Yes. Uh, uh, Got to be Kyler, Kyler Murray. Oh, that, that's a good one. That's a good one. I was going to go Tariq Cohen. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> but like Baby Yoda is good and Tariq Cohen's not. Well, man, I really struggle with Tariq Cohen. He's a cool personality on, he is, on Twitter he is. and stuff. I love how oh, yeah, he's he games and he engages and stuff. Yeah. I'm a, I'm I'm coming around on him, uh, kind of like I did with, with Jamal Williams. Shout out Jack. Um, okay, good stuff. So obviously we're talking uh, week ten preview here. We're gonna start by looking back to last night. Obviously we're recording and posting this on Friday, uh, but we're talking about Thursday night for a second, Jeff. And I want you know that was Indianapolis versus Tennessee. Did not go the way most people expected that game to go. And, you know, there was some craziness in terms of special teams um, on Tennessee that at, threw a wrench in things for sure for for the Titans, but um, or the Titians, as uh, as our friends like to say. But with that said, I think, one, you know, one of the clearest fantasy football takeaways, Jeff, is that Indianapolis's backfield is a mess of an RBBC, obviously running back by committee. Um, the clear lead dog last night was Naheem Hines, uh, you know, handled 12 carries, had a, just a, a great game, really, really looked like the best back in the backfield. Um, two touchdowns, clearly the pass catching back. Um, and with with Philip Rivers, uh, you know, preference to throw to running backs frequently, I think that Naheem Hines, you know, th- this is what's concerning is like he should have every week utility. Week one, we saw him come out with two touchdowns. Um, I think it was three weeks ago he had – Two, two receiving score game. He just hasn't been able to string them together. And I'm not exactly sure why that is, why he's, you know, maybe it's just he's just not on the field quite enough. But uh, takeaways from that backfield specifically, obviously we also saw Jordan Wilkins outcarry and outproduce um, Jonathan Taylor once again. So Jonathan Taylor's stock continues to go down. Jordan Wilkins is uh, the preferred play at this point right now. But Naheem Hines looked like, uh, you know, the only one that you'd really want to start. Well, first of all, Jonathan Taylor did outproduce Jordan Wilkins. You just forgot. You just neglected the receiving work. Uh, second of all, um, it, I mean, it was still absolutely just awful, though, from a fancy <laughs> perspective. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, it looks like Naheem Hines is clearly the lead back right now. Um, but as you also mentioned, like the consistency, I mean, this is, I think, the first game that Hines took over a 50% snap share or like first game since week one or two. Um, so really, like, unless you consistently see that at bare minimum at 45%, um, but consistently over 50%, like it's still going to be like really tough to fire him up with confidence of anything more than like a high upside flex play. Um, 
No, I think also we should point out Michael Pittman Jr. I think it was last week I said you should be picking him up if you need wide receiver help coming off of IR, and he dominated last night. Seven receptions for 101 yards, and they even gave him a carry, which he took for 21. Uh, I mean, he looks to be the clear wide receiver one right now. And, I mean, look, it's not T.Y. Hill, and, like, he's just not going to happen at this point. Um, so, I mean, if you didn't already pick up Pittman, I think he's going to be a high-priority waiver ad on Tuesday. Yeah, he, he looked legit. Um, he was a guy that I wasn't crazy about coming out. Obviously, he's a rookie. He's missed some time this year. He was eased back in in week eight. Uh, week nine, he actually – uh, I, th- I thought had a really encouraging performance. I wrote as much in the catch up, uh, obviously the weekly newsletter. And, you know, he has continued to ascend. Now, he, you know, he's got his first hundred yard game. Um, definitely looks like the only pass catcher in that offense that, you know, with the exception of Naheem Hines, that you should feel, you know, good about um, potentially starting, but at the very least rostering. So, yeah, I agree on Michael Pittman. Um, flipping over to Tennessee. Derrick Henry remains a match-approved RB1. I don't think that should really surprise anyone, except there was some talk about, oh, you know, this is being such a good defense, um, blah, blah, blah. You know, Derrick Henry still saw 19 carries, 103 yards, uh, didn't get, you know, uh, much receiving work, but two more targets for him. And that's really all that you could ask for from him. Uh, you know, another 20-touch game. And he did get vultured twice. That's not ideal. But I think the bigger story out of Tennessee, Johnny Smith season, Johnny Smith, you know, it's 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 nice just to see him getting used creatively. Once again, he did see six targets to Anthony Ferkser's three. I wrote about in the catch up at Ferkser had out targeted him by double, uh, which was, you know, just, I guess, a, a pretty startling development after the first four weeks and how good Johnny Smith looked. But Johnny Smith appears to be back on the right track. A.J. Brown finally put up a dud game. Um, and my question for you, Jeff, I have my own idea about this, but uh, natural regression after a stellar five game run against a tough defense, or is there something more to AJ Brown's four target, one catch game? Um, I think it's mostly just you know, regression, regression, tough matchup in the offense overall, just not having a good outing. Um, you know, we should know obviously that Brown has been going through a knee injury this entire year and, you know, he's usually getting a rest day. In the middle of the week so it's possible that maybe with the short rest uh he wasn't like full speed the way he usually has come around on sundays and also one has to wonder how much the uh you know the injured banked up offensive line is going to hinder the offense going forward um as we've mentioned taylor luan out for the season with the torn acl and then roger saffold the all pro left guard left last night's game as well so if all of a sudden you're looking at backups on the entire left side of the ol that's not great for this offense rest of season yeah and we we know indianapolis has a good defense um but they were getting to ryan Tannehill constantly i mean the the plays that he was able to make were like above expectation because he just did not have time they were bringing a ton of pressure with just four-man rush uh not a good sign for tennessee's uh pass protection um, but you know, it is what it is. I guess, uh, we'll take away from that what we can. Hopefully that isn't going to put any of our listeners in too big of a hole going into Sunday, uh, moving over to that now. Um, let's start with some injury updates, Jeff, and I'll just start with a couple quick hitters. Um, Miles Sanders is back this week. It's not necessarily official, but he says he's hundred percent. Doug Peterson hasn't given him the green light, but he should be fired up as an RB one. No question. Um, if you need a refresher, Miles Sanders was balling by the box score. 
Um, and every game that he played this year, he, you know, as Jeff and I have discussed, he has had some, I would say like the most of, most of his touches have been pretty mediocre. And then he kind of supplements that with, um, with a long run or two each game. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, those count just as much or more if you're, uh, in a league that, that, uh, rewards those, um, Austin Eckler seems to be nearing a return. Based on the video he posted, I'm not sure we have any sort of update on timing for him. But yeah, Jeff is obviously a big Austin Eckler buyer in our league. Um, You know, I think just in general, we want to see him play because he's been so good. And that would relegate uh, Kalen Balaj and co right back to from whence they came. Um, And then last quick hitter is Jake Lutton is set to start again in place of Gardner Minshew in Jacksonville. And with LaVisca Chenault likely out with a hamstring. DJ Chark season once again in week 10, it feels like, uh, you know, I am going to be going back to the well. The volume is there. Jake Lutton looked capable enough to not only feed DJ Chark, but actually get it to him in a catchable manner. So I feel good about DJ Chark in week 10. Jeff, moving on to Pittsburgh. I'm no doctor, but Big Ben appeared to pick up a knee sprain. Uh, he, he got hit low. Um, he went to the locker room for a little after finishing the drive, he went to the locker room, came back. He was clearly in pain. He was still, you know, this is what Big Ben's done all all career. Uh, he has gutted out injuries. Um, he's just a big, tough guy that it's not easy to take down, not easy to keep out of the game. So uh, he, you know, he was throwing off his back leg. He was doing it effectively. Um, he also went on the COVID list because of a close contact. And there's no word on his status as of yet. So just to play the speculation game here, if he doesn't play, how comfortable are you starting any Steeler in a decent matchup against Cincy. Um, I mean, still decently comfortable. Um, I mean, you know, they've had some like fantasy relevance without Ben, even though it's not the, the ceiling's obviously lowered. Uh, we keep in mind, like, even with Ben, with the way the targets get spread around, like, it's tough to actually feel super confident in general with uh, between Juju, Deontay, and Claypool. Um, you never. Like, you know, if Ben's playing, you know, one or maybe two of them are going to hit, but you could be starting the guy who's odd man out for that week. Um, so, so like, I feel like, you know, if, if it's Mason Rudolph, then, you know, one of them might hit instead of two, like you think like somebody will probably still have a decent outing, but uh, the ceiling of overall is definitely lowered. Yeah. In Pittsburgh right now, last three weeks, Rock score, uh, the, the Juju, Chase Claypool, and Deontay Johnson in that order. But I mean, it's bare, It's basically a three-way tie for first. Um, they're all getting re- reasonably, you know, the same type of volume. Um, I think what bodes, I think who this bodes be- best for is Deontay Johnson. A, because he was by far the most productive. Chase Claypool wasn't there last year, so it's not really fair, but he was by far the best receiver in Pittsburgh last year. Um, including Juju Smith-Schuster with that, that, you know, carousel of backups that were behind center. Uh, but not only that, I just think the low A-dot role that Deontay Johnson plays, uh, you know, getting, you know, double-digit targets oftentimes, you know, doing more with them uh, after getting them underneath, I think that bodes well for him. But at the same time, Juju Smith-Schuster appears to be healthy now, uh, has been really productive recently. So I think uh, the biggest downside of the situation is Chase Claypool might not be able to get some of those uh, long, uh, deep passes that we have been accustomed to him seeing, but we shall monitor that and keep going. Um, in Carolina, Mike Davis is back to uh, being a great RB1 play once again with Christian McCaffrey all but ruled out for Sunday with that shoulder injury. It does not look good for Christian McCaffrey. 
Uh, and as Kyle has been pointing out, they have a week 13 buy. How concerned are you for Christian McCaffrey's stock going forward as we approach crunch time uh, in the fantasy regular season and then obviously into the fantasy playoffs? Um, pretty concerning. Um, sounds like, well, it's tough whenever you hear a player get a, is getting a second opinion. Usually to me, that seems to indicate they didn't like the first opinion. So they're looking for someone Definitely, who's, who's yeah. going to say yes. Um, so to me, this indicates it's probably, um, uh, not as good as they're maybe leading on. So, um, yeah. And then that week 13 buy is going to be crucial. Like, there's, you know, there's all, feels like there's almost a chance that you don't even get to play him until fantasy playoffs, which is very suboptimal. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, Mike, Mike Davis was like inexplicitly dropped. I heard in like 20 to 25% of leagues following McCaffrey's return. So a uh, huge mistake there. Um, but yes, yeah, so, I mean, like, you know, obviously you're firing up Mike Davis until McCaffrey gets back. And once McCaffrey is back, whether it's next week or coming back after the bye, like you fire him up, um, because you know, he's going to get the volume, but, uh, the shoulder is, we don't really have like much um definitive on what this shoulder injury is if it's just like a pain tolerance thing usually seems to be how these shoulder injuries are mid-season uh versus structural like um like usually even if it's structural at this point they would likely know if it was going to be like sideline him for longer versus just like i said pain tolerance and then maybe you need like a procedure in the off season yeah, that makes sense. I'm on the same page with you there. Uh, I think Mike Davis, you know, obviously he should have been rostered still. Uh, I will say this. I was wrong that Mike Davis would retain a role with Christian McCaffrey coming back. I mean, it was all CMC all day. Uh, but at this point, you know, still very speculative. But once Christian McCaffrey comes back, there is a chance that they do, you know, even if he's uh, like 90 percent. Um, I still think there's a chance that Mike Davis gets some sort of role with Christian, with a healthy Christian McCaffrey, even though we didn't see that with the official return of McCaffrey in week nine. And that's just because he's played so well. And at this point, are they going to keep running him into the ground and letting him get hurt? I just feel like at some point they might make an adjustment. That is speculation. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. In Chicago, David Montgomery is still in concussion protocol, making Ryan Nall and Cordero Patterson uh, likely to have the backfield in week 10. Now, Nall had four catches, 34 yards, and a touchdown. Cordero Patterson had four catches, 27 yards, also three carries, 13 yards rushing in week nine. Um, you know, I don't think either of these guys give us that much, you know, make us uh, that excited to play either of them, um, especially because the rushing game in Chicago has been weak for two seasons now. Uh, at the very least, it's it's nice that both saw some decent receiving work. But Jeff, I think the biggest uh, beneficiary of this situation is Allen Robinson. Um, we have seen his volume taper off the last couple of weeks. I talked about it earlier Tuesday episode where you know I gave those those first five versus last four splits. Very concerning for Allen Robinson managers, but at the same time, without their you know their workhorse RB one for better or for worse, Allen Robinson. I think would see more volume than the last few weeks and, you know, in an effort to keep the chains moving and get this offense back on track. Uh, am I wrong in that assessment? I hope you're not wrong. <laughs> Me too. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, obviously like uh, Matt Nagy has been, you know, seemingly pretty irrational in the past. Um, I would expect them almost to just abandon the run. Like, I mean, if that's what I would do, like, I mean, I would have abandoned it way earlier in the season because it's been like completely useless to them. 
So I would just feed Robinson, feed Darnell Mooney. Um, you know, I think, yeah, every part of this passing game, I, you know, should get a spike and I would expect them just to not run the ball nearly as much, but, um, you know, we've haven't been able to really, you know, predict what Najee's going to do week to week. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, I'm with you in Arizona. Obviously they're playing the bills. We're going to talk later about that matchup. It's a good matchup for running backs, though. And so this is notable. Kenny Drake continues to practice in a limited fashion this week, obviously coming back from that ankle. My question for you, Jeff, is is does this, you know, news of Kenny Drake continuing to practice at least uh, somewhat change in, at all uh, how you view Chase Edmonds in week 10? So I think it was week five, maybe week six last season where David Johnson was questionable all week, uh, you know, very limited, if not DM. DMPs, and then all of a sudden they made him active at game time, and fantasy managers everywhere, obviously, including myself, jammed him into their lineup because I mean, hey, he was your first round pick. David Johnson played, I think, two snaps, and then Chase Edmonds proceeded to put up a 35 fantasy point outing. So that is uh, kind of how I'm almost approaching this week. Like, if Kenyon Drake does play. Um, and I have Chase Edmonds in season-long fantasy. I am absolutely firing him, firing him up because you know we could see something similar where at Drake is almost more of just like a you know breather back or like you know emergency if something happened to Chase Edmonds. Um, or in DFS, I'm almost hoping that Drake plays and then that'll pivot ownership off of Edmonds so that way we can fire him up um, you know less confidently but with more leverage. Completely agree with that assessment. Um, I don't own Kenyon Drake anywhere. Uh, if I did, I would not be playing him. I want to own Chase Edmonds as much as I can, and I will definitely be playing him in Week Ten. You know, again, this is this is factoring in some projection uh, and some priors here, but I really do feel strong about Chase Edmonds. And this is the other thing that should be uh, adding to the confidence here with Chase Edmonds in Week Ten, whether or not Kenny Drake is healthy. Uh, he's been third in RB Rock the last three weeks. Obviously, his receiving role has been very healthy all season. Um, and and without Kenny Drake in the lineup, he also saw so many rushing opportunities in week nine that I just, you know, I feel very, very good about Chase Edmonds at, at very least as an RB2 um, and if not a high end RB1, you know, if the efficiency trends back in the direction that we saw earlier in the season for him. So um, moving on to Seattle, Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde, to no one's surprise, remain on the pine during practice, both out with injuries still. Uh, it, I don't know that we can project if either will be healthy for game time in, in week 10. I don't expect either to play. So, uh, you know, with that said, DJ Dallas or Travis Homer, who is your preferred play in week 10, Jeff? Uh, I think it's still Dallas, but, um, you know, it's getting a lot thinner of a play week by week. Yeah, I, I'm, I've been against the DJ Dallas play the past two weeks. He has scored in back-to-back weeks, so I suppose I've been wrong. Uh, however, Travis Homer only had one less carry than him in week nine, and he also looked really explosive on a couple uh, receiving opportunities as well. So uh, I think it's trending towards Travis Homer. Personally, give me Travis Homer. I don't think that DJ Dallas has really done anything to inspire us, um, and Homer has some some pretty good uh, measurables himself. So I like Travis Homer in week 10. Last one, Jeff. Cincinnati, Joe Mixon looks doubtful. Once again for this weekend, so fire Geo up as an RB two once again. Um, four touchdowns in his last three games. He's had a very healthy role in relief of Mixon, the role that you know we hope that Joe Mixon gets whenever he comes back. 
Um, but I'll also say, you know, similar to the Allen Robinson situation in Chicago, I think this bodes very well for Tyler Boyd, you know, and the passing volume in this offense as a whole, but especially Tyler Boyd, who has continued to dominate volume during Mixon's absence. Uh, I don't think there's any question that he is the most preferred play out of Cincinnati's wide receiver trio. Um, he's uh, he's fourth in rock the last three weeks. He has been seeing like a, a just an absurd amount of red zone looks as well. He's second in red zone targets over the last three weeks as well. Only second to Devontae Adams. Um, I think that Tyler Boyd remains a really, really strong high-end uh, wide receiver to play, and I don't think that will change this week, even though they're facing tough Pittsburgh defense. All right, so I just want to talk about a couple quick rock takeaways. Obviously, the rock is a receiving opportunity composite score. If you're not familiar, contestedcatch.com forward slash ROC. Um, reiterating a few points I've been talking about, just in case people missed it in the last two episodes, um, I'm saying to buy Evan Ingram. He is uh, he has been a dominant tight end in terms of volume the last three weeks. He's 18th in rock overall. That is very, very good standing to be in. Anytime the tight end is top 25 in rock, that's a good sign. He has seen 29 targets the last three weeks. Um, and then the other one is smash Josh Reynolds in week 10. I've been tweeting about this. I talked about it. Uh, you know, earlier this week, but he's 26th in rock the last three weeks. This is a blow up spot against Seattle. I think you'll see a lot of people playing Cooper Cup, rightly so. He's 11th in rock. Uh, but, you know, with Robert Woods role just being a little bit more questionable than we expected this year, I think that Josh Reynolds is a great play in week 10 as a way to get a share of this high scoring affair. And then, Jeff, a few running backs with notable uh, rock movement as well. Leonard Fournette is up to fourth. DeAndre Swift is up to seventh. Duke Johnson is at sixth, and he had nine targets and 75 receiving yards the last two games. Um, and, you know, I doubt that David Johnson plays this week. Keep an eye ahead of game time. Are any of those guys making their way into RB2 territory? DeAndre Swift obviously is getting a lot more work, but still uh, seeding a large amount of touches and um, snaps to Adrian Peterson. So what are your thoughts on Fournette, Swift, or Duke Johnson? Uh, well, I think Duke Johnson, you can, as long as David Johnson sits this week, I think you can fire up Duke as a low end RB1. I think Fournette and Swift are both firmly in high upside RB2 range. Um, you know, Rojo, they, they still have running backs in that back, you know, that they're sharing it with that kind of thorns and really reaching uh, or have been thorns and reaching their peak so far. But if, you know, anything goes wrong with those guys or if the coaches just decide to feed Swift or Fournette for a week like they have you know you know RB1 like upper echelon uh performances in that range of outcome yeah specifically with Fournette um he's you know he was obviously he's a pretty controversial fantasy player at this point in his career um he had a really strong week two 12 carries 103 yards two touchdowns four catches um since then he hasn't made much of a peep except the fact that two out of the last three weeks, he has had a double digit carries. And then uh, out of the last three weeks, he has had two instances of six catches, really healthy receiving role. We know we know that Tom Brady wants a receiving back back there. Uh, I don't think he's looked particularly good with those catches. But at the same time, in PPR formats, when you're talking about a, 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 um, a committee back, a guy getting six catches is, is about all you could ask for um, when you are getting a really, really cheap play. So Anyway, moving on to our DFS preview, Jeff. Um, obviously, we're going to start by talking about stacks, and we're going to build a lineup and then talk about some standalone favorite plays. So who is your favorite stack this week? Honestly, they, there's a lot of good options. 
<laughs> it's really tough to just hone in on any single game. Um, you know, the, the Bills Cardinals is going to be the chalkiest. Um, I mean, not for bad reason. We saw the, what happened in the Bills Seattle game last week. And with the Bills being so pass heavy, like it really makes it easy. Um, I think if I wanted to go for like a very low ownership contrarian stack, I want to go with Tua and the, you know, Devontae Parker and Keenan Allen or Hunter Henry, like stack the Dolphins chargers game would be my like low ownership contrarian stack. Mm, I like that. So, I mean, like Tua was strong. He had obviously not a great first outing, but then he was really good against Arizona last week. Herbert has been, you know, a baller this year. So no Preston Williams for Miami means we could be looking at a double-digit target game for Devontae Parker. Um, you know, if you wanted to do a double stack, I think Jakeem Grant is like is three thousand dollars. So you get that like bare minimum salary, or you could maybe play Gasecki or just like really any one of those tight ends at this point, because it seems to just be like a roulette of who gets the touchdowns. Um, you know, and then, as I mentioned, I think, um, you know, Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, or maybe you, you know, it's Jalen Guyton as your, you know, super cheap dart wide receiver. Um, so I just think that's like a really easy way to go contrarian, low ownership and gain a ton of leverage on the field. And then that would, and it's cheap. So you could go chalk elsewhere and fire up. Devonte Adams, um, you know, and like your expensive chalkier pieces elsewhere. So you know, you can fire like if you do that, you can fire up Adams, Kamara, Jones, Sanders, like whatever. Um, a stack that I'm interested in this week, Jeff, is Philadelphia and the Giants, and the reason is I, you know, the the point total is pretty low. Um, I don't think anyone is that excited about either offense at this point, but there are a bunch of plays that I am. Uh, at least loosely interested in. And I think it's a pretty good way to um, potentially, you know, do something that not a lot of other people are doing. And so if I run that with the DFS optimizer tool on contestedcatch.com forward slash DFS, uh, you know, the with, with Carson Wentz as my quarterback, I do an airy buff uh, secondary game stack, which is obviously we talked about is chalkier, but if it's secondary, I think that's still a good way to get some exposure there. Um, I think the favorite lineup that I have out of that is Carson Wentz, Alvin Kamara, Miles Sanders, and then a wide receiver, Stephon Diggs, Tyler Lockett, Larry Fitzgerald. I'd probably pivot off Fitz, but maybe. And then uh, what I was really hoping to get was Evan Ingram at tight end, as I already mentioned, and then Flex, Mike Davis, Saints D. You know, there are a couple of different ways to go about this. When you're going that cheap, you could very easily get some Duke Johnson. You could very easily get some Devontae Adams. Um, and then if you wanted to go off of Larry Fitzgerald, there are other ways to get exposure to that offense. Obviously, you could go with a uh, a Chase Edmonds uh, at the flex or Chase Edmonds at RB two. So, um, anyway, th that's that's something that I'm thinking about this week. Um, in terms of a top lineup, Jeff, why don't you run one based on your favorite stack, your favorite game stack, and secondary game stack? All right, um, let's do let's just see what we get with Tua. Like, you know, it's not going to be our highest own one by any means but we're definitely going to sprinkle that i do like Wentz this week a lot especially a with the buy team getting a little bit of healthy regular coming back maybe even alshon like i do so i do like Wentz. we'll certainly be playing him then i mean the ram seattle game i think that's going to be another high ownership contest that to a kamara sanders 
Metcalf, Lockett, Parker, Henry, Mike Davis, Lions defense. I'm impressed that we can get all those guys in there under the salary cap. <laughs> yeah, well, Devontae Parker is $5,000. Mike Davis is 4000 Then two is down at like, yeah, 5600 So, you know, compared to usually paying up an extra like 2000 at quarterback, and I mean, Mike Davis is free square at 4000 Uh Yeah, it really makes things pretty easy. You know, the one thing is, all these optimizers are going to love Mike Davis this week because you're projecting RB1 role at a you know the minimum price of 4000 I really just wonder how much of that chalk we want to eat this week because even when it's been McCaffrey back there, Tampa Bay has been a really tough matchup. As we've said all year, it's not a friendly rush defense. Um you know, guys have been able to still have good value in the passing game. And I think Davis will certainly outperform that $4,000 price tag. But part of me really wonders if that ceiling is going to be there this week. And if it wouldn't be better to pivot off of him at a projected 45 to 50% ownership, you know, go either if you're doing like a three and, you know, smaller entry, just completely fade him. Or if you're max entering, like we will be really underweight at like a 20% ownership and maybe increase our exposure to somebody like Duke Johnson, who, yeah, he's an extra, um, you know, he's an extra thousand dollars, but, and still like a little bit chalky, but a lot less. And, uh, you know, almost as high, if not a higher ceiling than Mike Davis this week. Uh, it's always interesting when you've got like that chalky, chalky RB2 that all, all of a sudden is an RB1 play because it's like it feels like everyone's going to play them. But there's a reason because by, you know, going with that cheap option that is that is sure to see a lot of volume. Uh, it feels like, you know, why wouldn't you play that free square? But at the same time, if you're playing in GPP tournaments, you need differentiation. That doesn't mean ignore chalk, but that means make sure you have a way to leverage off of it. So good stuff there, yeah. Jeff. So like, yeah, I mean, it. Yeah, it's like in the context of the, you know, Dolphins Chargers stack, then it's completely fine to eat the chalk because that's just not going to be a high-owned stack. Right. Absolutely. Um, here's another lineup for you, Jeff. I went with, I actually hand-built this one uh, because I, I wanted to get Chase Edmonds in there. So Wentz, Sanders, Edmonds, then I can pay up for Devontae Adams, um, Josh Reynolds, Evan Ingram, Jalen Rigor, Washington defense. And I left out one of the wide receivers because it's kind of like a um, pivot point for this lineup. I, th I feel really good about that entire lineup, honestly. And with Will Fuller, uh, that is that is I, I could put Will Fuller in there. Obviously, that's always a good play, considering he could be the wide receiver one, the overall top scorer any given week. Um, I also think, you know, with this uh, with the budget about seven thousand left for that wide receiver two spot. I could go Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Terry McLaurin, Tyler Lockett, Tyler Boyd, DJ Chark. Like the op the opportunities are endless there, uh, and that's partly because I went so cheap at flex with Regor, and then Josh Reynolds at thirty five hundred is someone I'm going to be playing a lot of. So I probably wouldn't go another Rams receiver, but um, you know maybe a, a Fuller, McLaurin, Tyler Lockett. I don't think that I've, any of those options are bad plays this week. Uh, what are your thoughts on that lineup, Jeff? Uh, I like it. It's strong. Um... Strong, strong, you strong. I said, I said, you said, I said, you got strong. They said, we strong. If you strong, Jameis, I said, we strong, man. <laughs> oh, god, 
<laughs> thought I'd get you going on that one. Uh, okay. I mean, is stuff. that top three, top three most iconic post game speech in history? I mean, it's got, it's got to I mean, be up there. What about with... the pregame gobbling double? Oh, w- I, I said post game. So, yeah, you know, I, I think right, it's I up there with the uh, Rocky Drago, you know, post fight speech, right? That ended the, that ended, yeah, uh, I mean, I that one ended the Cold War. So, like, that's number one, but in terms of like <laughs> cultural significance. That was such an ambitious uh, move by the Rocky franchise to try to end the Cold War with a boxing match. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, uh, okay, I have I have one one other possible play this week is Cam Akers. Mm. Um, you know Henderson's status is still up in the air, and um, you know he's like practicing limited this week, but. If he doesn't play, Cam Akers is only forty two hundred. Mm, and I mean, I like like, you're obviously going to play him over Malcolm Brown because I just don't think Brown has that ceiling. Even if Henderson does play, I still want a little bit of exposure to Akers this week in the event that he's just more of active but not playing, and it ends up being the Cam Akers breakout week at forty two hundred dollars. I you know, definitely want a little bit of exposure to acres, no matter what, but especially if Henderson is out, um, then I think acres also becomes another really strong pivot off of the Mike Davis, Duke Johnson stack. Yep. I like that. That's a, that's a good call. Um, okay. Any other, uh, ideal plays for you that are more standalone this week, Jeff? Well, I just mentioned Jakeem Grant earlier. I think whether you're putting him in as part of that stack or really just need to, you know, put in like a floor priced, you know, receiver and to enable you to pay up elsewhere. I mean, he's got some speed. He's undersized, but um, at $3,000 with no Preston Williams this week, I think Grant is like, you know, not a bad, just like free square dart throw at wide receiver. Here's one for you, Jeff. Brandon Ayuk, he's he's back off the COVID list. Uh, he's healthy, and you know he's been. I think people have forgotten because of that week off, um, or you know that week nine game when he wasn't active. He was seeing really really healthy volume. He had his breakout in week eight, ten targets, eight catches, ninety one yards, and a touchdown. Following up a seven six and one hundred fifteen yard uh, a performance in week seven. You know, and they're they're projected to be uh, two score underdogs against new orleans i think the team's gonna be passing a lot we know nick mullins isn't exciting but at the very least offers something and with if nothing else kyle shanahan will find creative ways to get the ball in the hands of his playmakers i think brandon Ayuk is a as a cheeky play for whatever reason i think people are just not remembering that this guy's out there and was you know ascending prior to week nine yeah i like it um do you want to play antonio brown a lot this week we could. I mean, coming off of it, I definitely don't have a problem with that. Yeah, I mean, just coming off of that Sunday night football dud. Um, I mean, I don't know. It's well, it's Carolina, so we know how well like running backs have performed against them in the past. So it could be a great week to fire up a little bit of Fournette or Rojo. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Could be an AB smash or Godwin or Evans. I don't know. All of them are pretty low ownership projection. I I feel like that's a little maybe DF advantage DFS wise for this offense is at least for now, like because how everything's looks to be spread out, at least no one's going to have high ownership. So, but we know they all have immense ceiling. So 
I mean, I don't know, that's one way you just kind of spin the wheel. They're all pretty close in price and just plug, plug one or two of them in and cross your fingers. I guess I would maybe lean AB at this point. Uh, but uh, I, I mean, I think he's Mike definitely going to be the lowest owned. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, and he's the cheapest. Whereas like Mike Evans, just like he and Brady just haven't really connected. You know, his fantasy value earlier in the year was just like salvaged by red zone and touchdown. So um, I don't know. Unless there's literally one or two yard touchdowns yeah. constantly. <laughs> well, well, Jeff, I actually don't, I don't necessarily agree that Antonio Brown's debut was that big of a dud because he saw five targets, 78% of snaps in his debut. Um, you know, the same. Oh, yeah. No, are, indiv- uh, individually, pretty- I think it was like not bad. I just think like, I just met the entire team. Oh the yeah. The offense as a whole was, dudded. yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, okay. Good stuff there. I think that's a, a very strong DFS preview. Once again, guys, remember last week we did really well. We had a seventh ranked lineup out of 14,000, uh, which was our top ranking lineup in, that we submitted last week. Um, you know, I felt like it was a really good week going in. I feel pretty strong about this one as well. Uh, obviously, the DFS tool, you know, is uh, up to the user for, for how you deploy it. So, uh, the good news is that even if we don't have a good week, you can because there is just so many options helped within that optimizer tool. So make sure to check that out prior to submitting on Sundays. Um, Jeff, let's move over to our best bet segment. And uh, you know, I'll, I'll kick it off here. I've got a couple bets that I'm interested in. We'll just go one by one here, starting with Philly minus three and a half versus the Giants. Obviously, we already mentioned a little bit, but they're coming off a buy. Um, you know, they've got They've gotten healthier and healthier. Alshon Jeffrey being back isn't too impactful to me, but at the very least, if Jalen Rager goes down or Travis Fulgham or something, there's at least another man up. Uh, I already mentioned Jalen Rager is back. Travis Fulgham is still healthy. Miles Sanders is back. Dallas Goddard is is two two more weeks removed from coming off IR. So I feel pretty good about Philadelphia exceeding expectations coming off the bye. They have to get right at some point. And I think the Giants are a team that they know. And I think that they are... I think three and a half is, a, you know, I prefer if it was three, but um, or two and a half rather. But um, with that said, I still like Philly to win by, you know, a touchdown. Yeah, I like it. Um, I like that one. Um, the Bills are underdogs against Arizona. I mean, mm-hmm. I know we're going on the road cross cross country, but we're the better team, right? Like, I think so. I mean, that's not my that's not my homer. That's not my homers. I'm talking like we are the better team, right? Definitely. Okay, so then I'll take I think the Bills so. plus I, two and I, a half all day. I'm definitely taking the points with Buffalo. I'm not going to go with the with the money line there. I'll take the points. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the Bills in the next segment, but um, I will say on that one, I like the over at 56 and a half. Buffalo and Arizona are both two high-powered offenses. I don't think either defense is playing at the level that they could be at this point. Um, and, you know, just based on what we saw last week against Seattle, Buffalo is more than capable of, of shooting out any team. Um, and obviously Arizona, Kyler Murray, they're, they're playing some of the best ball in the league. So um, I think that that one is, is a good bet to go, you know, over 60, honestly. So I like the over in that one. Here's what I'm thinking. Uh, the Texans, three and a half point underdogs, the bills, two and a half point underdogs and the Seahawks, one and a half point underdogs. All of those teams have are on the road, but they also all have the superior quarterback in that matchup. Take the three of them, roll them in mm-hmm. a six-point teaser. There you get. So I like you have it. Deshaun Watson plus nine and a half, Bills and Josh Allen plus eight and a half, Russell Wilson plus seven and a half. 
Well, I actually really like Seattle plus one and a half versus the Rams as well. You know, I've been I've been pretty consistent on a couple uh, stances all year. I think the Rams are, uh, you know, as I've said, basically since the inception of this podcast, um, Rams, I think, are fraudulent and Seattle. I know they're on the road, but come on, like Seattle is the better team. I think uh, I think their defense has been ass. But at the same time, we just saw the Rams get decimated by the Dolphins, who have a good defense. But still, like this team is just not playing at the level that they did when they were on their Super Bowl run. I also like the over 54 and a half in that one. So I like that bet, Seattle plus one and a half and the over. Uh, I also like, you know, going to Sunday night here. We haven't talked about it at all because they're not in the slate, but uh, New England plus seven versus Baltimore. Jeff, I want to discuss this one for a second because obviously we we just saw New England barely eke out a win against the Jets. Uh, Baltimore has not played their best ball, but they are still Baltimore. They still have a healthy Lamar Jackson um and a really talented defense but i kind of like plus seven there um and the reason is i think most people are going to be saying well new england is barely getting wins against some of the worst teams in the league and they you know they've looked bad but i actually think that new england is finally trending in the right direction again cam newton played probably his best game uh since early in the season against seattle and you know that's against the jets sure but um i don't know i mean I think Lamar and the Baltimore offense have been struggling. They're saying that defenses know what's coming. That's not good. Um, But more so, we're talking about the best defensive mind ever in football, and that's Bill Belichick scheming against Lamar. They've had mixed success there, but I feel pretty good about Cam, uh, you know, continuing to trend in the right direction or at the very least keep it close. And seven points feels like a a decent bet there. What what are your thoughts there? Hmm. Um. Well, I was able to get the teaser that pays out at plus one forty. Okay. Although you should add, probably, might as well just add in the Eagles to that as well uh, while you're at it. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like last year, Lamar and the Ravens just ran New England out of the stadium. So uh, I don't know. Like, could we see them do the same thing? But then again, like, hey, they just haven't looked good. You know, Lamar is struggling passing outside the numbers. Everything's been condensed to the center of the field, which, you know, makes things easier on the defense. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'd slightly lean Ravens minus seven because I, they are just that much better and complete of a team, but um, I don't feel strongly about it. Okay, fair enough. So we're on opposite sides of that one. Um, Let's move on over to the Bills section here as we wrap up, Jeff. And obviously, Buffalo 7-2, and two, you know, played their best ball of the season, I think, uh, in Week 9 against Seattle. Josh Allen's looking really, really strong. I'm going to echo last week and say I think this is going to be another high-scoring affair. Uh, I think it's going to be closer. Um, I thought last week was going to be close, and I was willing to say Seattle um, was going to win that one. Very, very happy that we were wrong on that because, obviously, the Bills um, – you know, just were dominant throughout. But um, this week, I'm going to take the Bills. Uh, I'm taking the Bills to win 34-31. I like this one again to hit the over. I like this one to be another shootout type. I think Arizona is going to uh, perform better against this Bills defense than Seattle did, which, you know, I don't know if it's a hot take. I think the the main the main thing that's really interesting about this matchup is that Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson are more similar than most quarterbacks in the league. Like they both have really effective running ability. I think Kyler is much more apt to run than Russell Wilson is at this point in his career. Um, But with that said, I think the Seattle weapons are better. Uh, Schemes are different, but um, 
Seattle was still uh, trying to air it out. And, you know, we saw Russell Wilson probably have one of his worst games of the last couple of seasons with all those turnovers. So I think that Kyler Murray is going to do better than Seattle. I think the Bills are still going to win, and I think it's going to be a high-scoring affair. What are your thoughts on the Bills in Week 10? Yeah, I concur. Um, I think the Bills are also like in a better position to game plan for Kyler and the Cardinals' offense, I think, than most teams because we do run a lot of four-wide sets similar to how Arizona does with a mobile quarterback that can, uh, you know, Kind of not that he's Josh is a sim, like the same style runner of Kyler at all, but like can still stress the defense in a similar way. And I think this team's had a lot of success against um, uh, these young mobile quarterbacks. I mean, we had a great game plan for Lamar last year, and I mean we still we still lost the game, but we still also like are one of the best regular season defenses performance against that team. Um, so, like, yeah, I, th- I think we'll be able to do enough um, defensively to give ourselves the edge. Um, you know, I think Stefan Diggs, Patrick Peterson is going to be quite the matchup to watch. And also got to keep an eye on whether or not Buda Baker is healthy at safety. Uh, that could be a key absence if he's unable to go for Arizona. And, um, but, and Cliff Kingsbury, I mean, he's kind of a coward when it comes to kicking. You know, in a game that is going to be very close, I think you, when you want to go with these, also the coaches that are, you know, going to be, yeah, more aggressive, more like, yeah, exploit every analytical decision-making edge on top of being, showing that they're among the best game to game when it comes to X's and O's. I think so. Um, I mean, I just like Buffalo in this matchup almost on every, on almost on every level. Uh, A friend of mine, David, uh, is a big Cardinals fan. He might disagree with with that statement, but uh, and I, I feel really good about this one. And it's just because Buffalo's really, really trending back the way that we were in the four, first four weeks. And it's not that there's anything wrong with the Cardinals. I think they're a really good team. I just think that Buffalo is finally like their defense. Um, it, you know, remember this: like coming into the season, Buffalo was supposed to be strong because of their defense. And we've seen definitely below expectation performances throughout the season, except last week when we actually contained Russell Wilson. You know, the final uh, score doesn't necessarily indicate that because they still put up points. But at the same time, we're talking about the MVP front runner, Russell Wilson. So uh, I think that Buffalo is finally starting to trend in that direction uh, or in, in the correct direction for defense. And, and then obviously Josh Allen playing so well that I'm not picking against them again this week. So. Uh, eight and two. We hope we hope for it. Um, definitely going to be a good game to watch, I think. And um, yeah, man, you know, hopefully we come out winners once again. Um, Jeff, as we wrap up episode 64 here, any final thoughts uh, heading into week 10? Stay strong and have a profitable weekend. Let's do it. Another profitable weekend on the way, we hope. Oh, it's Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th in 2020. This is a you know, maybe we just cursed everything we just said, and everything yeah, will be you wrong. Yeah, should probably 13th, just do the exact opposite of everything. Yeah, just hedge. Just, yeah, this actually, all this analysis is going to be completely, completely, one hundred percent wrong. Do the exact opposite of everything we just said to do. And keep in mind, guys, we warned you now. Okay, so if we're dead wrong on everything, you've been warned. But if we're absolutely right, you still got to give us give us our credit. Absolutely. You know, that's how it works in this industry. Um, 
Obviously, guys, make sure to check out the DFS optimizer tool on the website. That's contestedcatch.com forward slash DFS. If you haven't yet, the rock score is in the similar place, contestedcatch.com forward slash ROC. Uh, if you guys need to reach us, you know where to find us at Buff Bill Stats with one F for Jeff on Twitter and at Contested Catch for me on Twitter. We wish you guys the best of luck this weekend and we hope to catch you next time. Thank you.